Welcome to Bat Therapy, the psychology of Batman, superheroes, and other comic book characters. Be a fly on the wall or a bat in the cave, listening in on a friendship built out of a love for talking Batman, comics, and the everyday struggle to achieve mental health and happiness. We are your hosts, clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown and comic enthusiast and nerd aficionado Keaton Hopkins. This podcast is about providing education and understanding and is not a replacement for mental health treatment or support. If you're needing help, go to bat-therapy.com for resources. Somebody save me. <laughs> Had to. Had to. <laughs> of course, because we're talking about Smallville. Yes. We we can't believe we waited so long because we actually recorded this one near when we're going to be releasing it. So near the end of this this current season yeah. of different providers. And we were like, why? I think Keaton, I think you've been listening to the Smallville podcast that's out. I forget what it's called. It's called Talkville. It's Talkville. And it's it's Michael Rosenbaum and Tom Welling. And every single week they go through a different episode of Smallville and kind of break it down and they tell fun stories and just kind of stick with the, the whole lore. It's it's a really fun podcast. It's a really fun podcast. I listen to it all the time. It, they're, they're great. Yeah, so you were talking about this and then we said, wait, we didn't even look to see if Smallville had any therapists. And sure enough, there were two therapists that we could find. Which is one, cr- it's crazy that there's only two, considering it is. It is surprising that there are only two. To be fair, I don't think I looked much further than therapists because I found something and said, "There we go." So who knows? Maybe there's some other stuff that we're missing, and if so, you guys can just let us know. Right. But yeah, season three, Lex Luthor essentially does like a psychiatric evaluation, therapeutic thing with psychiatrist Dr. Claire Foster, and then season nine. Lois Lane goes to Dr. Evans, which they don't really give much info on. Yeah, she's not in it a ton. Yeah, she's not in it a ton at all. Essentially, Lois is bothered by dreams about Clark and goes to the therapist and talks about Clark and the blur. And ironically, the therapist inadvertently, I think, kind of helps Lois put some things together. Um, yes. Even even though I don't think the therapist really believes that Clark and the blur are the same, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's a very interesting episode, actually. Yeah, that one is fun. And then Claire Foster's story, she comes in. It's a very interesting time point because, first off, it, it's season three of Smallville. Season three is a ton of fun because season two has the most epic cliffhanger ever because Clark ends up hurting his parents by mistake and martha ends up getting really hurt and hospitalized and clark essentially decides to run away from home clark runs away from home and puts on his red kryptonite class ring to become evil badass clark and rides off into the yeah he it it, (laughs) honestly it's funny because it's not even emo he just becomes like it's like he's been drinking dark liquor like he he just gets mean like he just he just he's really intense and just like you can't tell me anything like he almost turns into like a 
a, a jock. Like he he like a hardcore like mean jock. Like it's it's fun. It <laughs> the Red Kryptonite episodes are my favorite. But yeah, he rides off into the sunset, and at the same time, Lex got married, and they're oh, yeah. on a private jet headed towards their honeymoon. And he wakes up during a thunderstorm, and the plane there's no one on the plane. Like she's not there. <laughs> And the pilot isn't there. And so he survives the plane crash. He's on deserted island by himself for three months. And he's talking to some imaginary guy named Lewis. May or may not be imaginary. You know, it's this whole thing. And so after he comes back, he has to talk with Dr. Claire Foster. Yeah, so his dad pretty much says... You have to go through an evaluation in order to be a part of the company, which is kind of fair. There was this big old thing happening and whatnot. And yeah, Lex chooses Dr. Foster. And if you if you all can't tell, Keaton is a huge fan of this show. (laughs) (laughs) So he knows all the details about the show is just perfect. And I I definitely love the show, but it's been a while since I watched it. Like I was rewatching these episodes and I had just forgotten the angst of the CW (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh what's funny is it's early it's early cw too yep. so it's not even as angsty as it is now like now it's nothing uh-huh. but angst if you watch an episode of riverdale and said take away the scenes without angst it would just be the title like that's it <laughs> it would just be the title and i feel like the credits even have angst in them so i think it would just yeah. be the title like cw is just built for angst now but I mean, yeah, it was Smallville had a ton of angst and it was but it was so much fun because it really was a special show in that it gave you what you wanted. Like Smallville Mm. was was just great because it's essentially a show about Superboy. Right. Mm, And it's not goofy, but it's high school with a kid with superpowers, he just found out he's an alien and he still has crushes and still worries about grades and like it's it's he's still he's still got to live the human life as an alien. Yes. Yes, it's like you're not my real mom, right? Like it's 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 great. It's I love Smallville as yeah. my, my for, yeah. <laughs> for for the record I feel like Smallville does a really good job as I was in particular. So in season three, you're watching Lex go through therapy with Dr. Foster and the evaluation process. And then things just degrade for him. He actually ends up in, uh, in Belle Reve, which kind of confuses me. So it's somehow both a psychiatric facility while also being a prison for metahumans. So not really the best choice of how you kind of put things together, but whatever. Right. Um, but you, essentially there's a whole lot of stuff going on behind the scenes manipulating him and it it just gives a really clear picture of man if anything lex must have been an amazing person to not turn into a, a, a essentially a super villain at the age of six because well, yeah, i mean it, he goes through so much it's a miracle that it takes him this long to I become know, right? a a super villain and this is bell reeve is a very very funny place so just like we talked about in the glass episode Mm. when i mentioned that i had a new big fear and that was being gaslit by a therapist here we go again here we go again 
right? And, yeah. but yeah, he gets so. This is just a really funny thing that I noticed when rewatching the episodes. When Lex does get locked up in Bell Reef, the very first time they see you see him in the glass, like in the glass cell or whatever he's in, when they zoom out, there is a shelf and there's just like an unplugged microwave at the top of this shelf and like a bunch of other <laughs> random junk. And I wonder if they just didn't know what to do with that scene. Like we need something outside of this. Grab that like cart of appliances that just doesn't work and put it outside of his, <laughs> his cell. Like, it's really funny. I have to find like uh, a, a, a screen cap of it, but I just randomly noticed. I'm like that. That's just an unplugged microwave. Like, it's very clearly unplugged and not working. So I have some big pet peeves, actually, with how they did Bell Reeve. Um, Okay, so you've got the whole being gaslit and manipulated by the psychiatrist. So actually, in this one, they actually, she talks about administering medications and whatnot, which was kind of nice because a lot of the other psychiatrists that we've talked about, they've only focused on a therapy component, haven't really kind of gotten into any meds. Yeah. Um, so so she's definitely doing multiple stuff here. And apparently she works at Belle Reeve because she pops up there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so she's gaslighting him, i.e. working for his father, kind of manipulating him with the drugs and everything. They're trying to essentially have him forget the fact that he yes. knows his dad got his grandparents killed, I think is, if I remember correctly. Yes, it's a really winding plot because so when Lionel Luther was young he made his first small fortune with like an insurance payout because he had his parents killed him and morgan edge plotted to kill his parents and lex found out about it and it's it's really convoluted plot so lex comes gets back (laughs) from the island and then he finds out about that they spike his scotch until he has a psychotic break once he has the psychotic break, they have him committed. Once mm-hmm. they have him committed, they give him medication to help it. But the medication is actually designed to make him forget his short-term memory. Which it's convenient they don't mention what me- the medication is because I don't know of anything that would do that. Right. I'm like, <laughs> so... are they? Are they? Are they giving him roofies? Like, what is happening right now? Like, what? Like, I don't. Because, I mean, medications, especially if administered incorrectly, could make it difficult or, you know, certain things make it difficult to um, hold on to memories or form memories. Uh, You could cause delirium with someone uh, and then they probably wouldn't have memories. But but destroying the memories that he had already made before that point. I don't know. Kind of. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I find these plots interesting, but then there's always the part of me that's like, okay, who are you going to scare out of treatment? Because they're worried they're going to end up with, (laughs) with the psychiatrist like this. Um, But that wasn't my biggest pet peeve. So, okay. Oh man. Okay. 
So <laughs> pet peeves with how they deal with Bill Reeve. So you you hone in on Lex Luthor when he's first admitted, and he's in this giant. He he's essentially in the most stereotypical room that someone could imagine yes. from like a hundred years ago in terms of being hospitalized. So he's in this padded room. He's in a straitjacket. Um, so I'm, I'm speaking to the United States. I cannot speak to other countries. So you actually, there are a lot of rules and, and restrictions and things in terms of um, seclusion and um, restraint. And so you can't just like have someone restrained for super long periods of time. And it's really only in extreme scenarios. There was nothing to suggest that this guy needed to be have a straitjacket. And, and here's a question. Okay, so you're in a room that is entirely padded, except for one wall that is completely a one-way mirror. Yeah, it's completely it's completely glass. Yeah. So clearly, <laughs> he didn't need a padded room. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> he didn't need a padded room if you have an entire glass wall. So that was a little much for me. It's a and padded then, interrogation room. Yeah, and then <laughs> later they put him in this like weird cage thing. So they have all these like super. First off, they have psychiatric people with these like metahuman people. Um, I understand they don't know where to put everybody, but um, seems like an odd mixture of folks. And then everyone else is walking around, but Lex is somehow more dangerous than all these people combined. And they literally have this cage contraption holding him <laughs> lying down to like a steel bed. I'm like, come on, yeah. people. That is something they always do anytime they show like a psychiatric ward or any kind of mental health hospital there's only two rooms it's either a padded room where someone is securely locked up or it's a wide open room with 35 so many people unkept patients walking around doing various things yep, even they're... if they're dangerous yep yeah and <sighs> Yeah. There's nothing uh... in between. There's nothing in between. There's not, oh, here's the, they don't show on the cafeteria because cafeterias are only for real prisons, right? They, like, they don't show on the cafeteria. So I think in they Gotham, they might have shown them in an air, like, they a show cafeteria them eating? like room. Okay. I think so. But like, I think there was one where, like, Penguin gets his face smashed in some food or something. That's seeming familiar, but. Well, yeah, it's such. A, a, it's terrible. A, a mess because when they show on Bell Reeve, you they 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 show on past villains from previous episodes. Yeah. Because they had a monster of the week type setup for Smallville, and so you see like two or three other villains from past episodes, and these people murdered. Yeah. People like they were very dangerous. They should not be in the general population at all right. but like one now, of them is just mopping the floor yeah <laughs> one of now them. now people can be rehabilitated Th these episodes seem to suggest that they weren't yeah um people <laughs> there's a lot that goes on in these episodes they're fun watch them yeah do you um, notice one of them was jonathan taylor thomas of course i noticed it was yeah. jonathan jonathan taylor, taylor thomas. thomas and then one him. of the uh one of the ashmore twins yeah, I yeah. can never tell them apart, but I guess that's the thing with twins. Uh, 
Yeah, I actually didn't know that they were twins for years, <laughs> and then my mind was blown. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I it peeves me a bit because uh, okay, there there's a lot of really terrible history there when it comes to psychiatric institutions and whatnot, but there's also been a lot of developments thanks to consumers or people essentially advocating and fighting back with the system. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. Um, it is part of the problem that we need updates and renovations and making sure that these are comfortable spaces. Absolutely. But there are a lot of movements that are really focused on, I mean, what color do you paint the walls? How do you make it comfortable as much as you can while trying to manage safety, making sure people get time with like daylight or outside where possible, um, making sure there are activities so it's a therapeutic environment. Um, so yeah, it's it's just kind of, yeah, I mean, they're going for a whole thing. But it, it is unfortunate that, I mean, who, who's going to watch all this stuff and go, you know what, when I'm struggling, I'll consider getting hospitalized. No, no one's going to want to do that when they see this guy like, caged onto a steel bed or straight-jacketed in that very, very bizarre padded room. Yeah, they never... I don't I don't know if I've ever seen... Like, whenever they show facilities like this, they never do it right. It's always something you see really horrible. Like, either someone just simply asks a question and gets tased in the chest, or... They're like, hey, take your medicine and then violently shove them down their throat. Like, it's always something that lets you know you never want to go to a place like this. Even if you're seeking help, it's going to be the worst time of your life. Like, they always, it's always terrifying. Yeah. So, so let me, you know, I by no means claim to know what every single person feels about being hospitalized but it really it ranges so some people really hate it um some people really appreciate it and there's all sorts of in-betweens and some of that is dependent upon just the person and their experiences and what they need and hey let's be honest there's varying quality across different facilities and also varying focuses of different facilities so when it comes to inpatient okay well the facility he was in was a little weird because it was both like prison rehab psychiatric stuff but also i'm not really sure i mean he was just psychiatric so it was really weird and that's not how it works it's they honestly metropolis and smallville fell into the uh arkham asylum issue where it's like anyone bad anyone have any kind of issues whatsoever arkham asylum it is nothing wrong with this guy but he has superpowers arkham yep yeah they they did the same thing here yeah yeah, they did the same thing with bell reef so if we're talking about okay i'm really struggling um i'm concerned about the safety of myself or we're concerned about the safety of someone else or i can't function and take care of myself because things are so bad person might end up being hospitalized. It might be for a few days. It might be for longer. A lot of times the stays tend to be shorter because of things like insurance and the healthcare system. Um, But 
So, so some of the disadvantages do tend to be you're not around your own stuff. You don't have as much access to your natural supports and what you would naturally do to kind of feel better, um, which can be a huge struggle. And also some of these places are older. Um, a lot of times you might have a roommate, for example. You've got to be around other people and they're dealing with their own stuff. And so um, some of it can just vary on that environment. And it's not always, you know, as comfortable of an environment as home. It probably isn't. On the flip side, Sometimes you need to step away from life. And so being able to step away from those things and really focus in can be useful. Uh, sometimes there's more stability to it than, you know, the chaos of life that's happening for a person. Um, obviously, there's more kind of safety protocols that can be there if that's needed. And you can get more immediate and, and quicker um, treatment than you could on the outside. So for example, Let's say you want to change a medication. You can do that a lot faster if people are watching you 24-7 and can kind of track things going on for you versus if you're outpatient and you're trying to make those adjustments. They're going to do it a lot more slowly. So, so there are advantages to it. There are disadvantages to it. Um, but yeah, so that was one of my pet peeves. The other one, the other one was there, what do they call it? Radical electroshock therapy. Stop scaring people out of legitimate treatments. Oh I get gosh. tired of that. Oh, yeah. It, well, it's that that's another thing, too. Like the, the treatments you get at these facilities, it's it's electroshock therapy or something even more primitive like a lobotomy. Right. So, OK, electroconvulsive uh, ECT. OK. Electroconvulsive therapy is a very real and legitimate treatment. Okay, I that's I just learned something because so yes, I, I and didn't, that's the problem with yeah. these like things that they kind of show because they always yeah, portray they, it almost like as a, 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 a almost like a snake oil type thing. They do where it's like they, let's give it to him; he doesn't need it, so let's just mess him up. Like I've never, know, they've never ridiculous. done it in a show where it is something that is helpful and useful. Right. It's always they're going to give him electroshock therapy and then he's exactly. just going to be a vegetable for the rest of his life. Yeah. Lobotomy? We don't do those. You're absolutely right. Bad, wrong, don't do it. Injures the brain, does tons of bad stuff. Um, electroconvulsive therapy is a very real treatment. Now, back in the day, it had more side effects and things. Um, but yeah, and it's not this thing where... Yeah, you, you, gosh, they were talking about how he could have all of these like huge memory issues. You can lose some chunks of time. Uh, that can be one of the side effects. It tends to be during that day, maybe the few days before and after. Oh, but it's not like you yeah, lose I mean, huge chunks of who you are. Yeah, tequila does that. <laughs> exactly. Tequila <laughs> does that. It's less controlled. And so, so I've actually, you know, sat in with permission on with someone getting electroconvulsive therapy. You, you can't even tell. Like it, it, they really have a very controlled way of doing it. And I'm not saying this is how it used to be. I, I can't attest to back in the day kind of stuff. But it's a very leg legitimate treatment for difficult to treat depression. I was going to ask things. what it's what it's used for yeah it tends to be so it, it's one of a, a few different types of treatments that kind of they don't fully understand how some of these treatments work that more kind of hit on the brain 
Um, but it, it's one of these treatments that, yeah, when, when someone, antidepressant medications, psychotherapy, things like that, don't really seem to be helping with depression, can actually be a really helpful type of treatment. But no one's going to want to tell you that that's what they get because then you go watch Smallville. Yeah. You know? I mean, honestly, yeah. I would – that would be something – like, I don't mind. Like, I, I still get bothered sometimes telling people, like, yeah, I've taken antidepressants or, yeah, I, I've needed that before. But if I ever received electroshock treatment or – it well, which is – that's the improper term, right? It's electro electroconvulsive therapy, right. ECT. E- electroconvulsive therapy, which sounds a lot better than I guess convulsive. Doesn't sound that great, but well, like it, I think it's <laughs> better than shock. Better than shock, like electroshock. Like that. That just sounds that that sounds that sounds incredibly violent. That sounds yeah. incredibly fun. Like yeah. the first thing that comes to mind to me is a defibrillator. When I hear that, mm. it's just like, oh, instead of putting it on your chest, just put it right there on your temples, and boom, yeah. you're and cured. And they make it. They also make it seem like, oh, and then you can like amp it up, and it's almost like Frankenstein's yes! monster. It's like, yes, come there's on, like people. blue lightning. Like it's it's the most terrifying thing ever. They're just like, we're just gonna hook you to this car battery and just fry your brain. <laughs> Yeah, Welcome to IHOP. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's so, yeah, it's, it's really bad. And so, like, I didn't even know for the longest time that it was even something real. Like, I, I knew it existed, mm. but I thought it was something that was very primitive. Like, you, yeah. Well, and that's, and that's the issue. And so, I've actually had conversations with people that I work with before about because I, I tend to work with folks that have more chronic mental health conditions and tend to be more severe, um, just the nature of the the job that I have, and I've had conversations and and said, hey, you know, um, this and and there are some other like I was mentioning, there's some other treatments that kind of try and hit on just maneuvering of of the brain. Um, a lot of them they don't fully understand, but to be honest, they don't really fully understand the medications either. Um, but I'll have those conversations about, Hey, here are some other treatments that you might want to explore. Let's connect you with your psychiatrist. They can kind of talk through them. And if any of them make sense for you, because yeah, I think there can be this sense of fear and yeah, seeing it as like a primitive thing and, Oh, you guys are going to shock me. And you know, electricity, I, I get it. I mean, I'd be a little freaked out probably myself, but really there are benefits to more than just the medications and even the psychotherapies. And so, yeah, it's unfortunate that it's, it's one of those, another one of those fan favorites that um, gives, gives a bad name. Well, and honestly, it's funny they did it too, because like, so Belle Reeve in the, in the DC universe, Belle Reeve isn't any kind of treatment facility. It's simply a, Mm prison used uh that they lock up it's a it's it they lock metahumans up in it it's basically like if you have superpowers if they figure out that something's actually mentally wrong with you they send you to arkham if you have superpowers and you're just doing violence they send Mm. you to bell reeve and the idea is uh they changed the location to smallville but normally bell reeve is in louisiana and it's the location Mm. of the suicide squad that's where amanda waller Uh, keeps all of them 
locked yeah. up. And so it's funny that all of these techniques they're using seem more like torture because honestly at Bell Reef, that is what they're doing. <laughs> and and once again, because there there might be people listening who either themselves or family or someone they know was connected to some of these treatments back in back in the day makes it sound a little tongue in cheek, but uh, there was a lot of terrible stuff that went on and and people really not being able to have ownership over their own medical decisions in a lot of ways. And there's been a lot of changes over the years. So this is by no means meant to invalidate the experiences of people who have experienced treatments in the past that honestly, who was I? I was talking to someone and they essentially were saying, you know, at any point in time, we are doing the we, we're doing the evidence based work, but at any period of time, there's so much we don't know. And um, unfortunately, there's a, a lot of damage and hurt that has happened in the past because of things that that weren't understood or weren't known. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's a difference between, say, a lobotomy and electroconvulsive therapy, especially electroconvulsive therapy these days. They've got a lot of technology to help them control it safely. Yeah. Television and movies don't really they they're not really responsible when it comes to mental health treatment and when because they they always portray it as yep you're broken and there's mm. nothing that can be done except the most extreme measures like i feel like there's so many steps that they take before going straight to electroconvulsive therapy there, there tend to be. Yeah. Um, once again, it's not as extreme of a thing, at least no. these days, okay. as I, I think people think of. I mean, it, it, if anything, it just takes a lot more commitment because you have to go to the appointments and um, you probably have to have someone like drive you there and back. And it, it, so it, it's more of a commitment in certain ways. Sounds like you have to have really good insurance to get it too. <laughs> Honestly, I can't speak to that side. It, and, it and, sounds exp yeah. as someone dealing with insurance issues right now. <laughs> it sounds like something I'm like, you know what? I'll just wait. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Just, I know. It's some, and it's unfortunate that those are the things that you have to that you it's have awful. to do. Like I wonder, like when I was watching this episode, I'm like, I wonder if Let's gets the nice padded room because he has like. <laughs> He has well, maybe the money that's for it. Cush there, right? Oh, like man. that's what's that's, considered that's a cush room. Yeah, yeah, it's it's got the padded walls. While everyone else is like, "Hey, go out here in this room. Here's a mop. Yeah. Do something with it." Right. So, so you were mentioning like movies and TV and 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 how they portray mental health. And I have to agree with you that there's been a lot of egregious stuff out there. I can't tell you the amount of times, especially if I'm watching something that's more than ten years old, maybe more than fifteen years old. I mean, it's one of my husband's favorite things to just hear me flip out. It's kind of similar to how I've been flipping out on some things today. <laughs> when, for example, they'll be talking about something and describing something going on, and then they'll just, like, make up a diagnosis. And I'll go, you could have just talked to some someone in mental health and gotten a real diagnosis to use. Why would you make one up? And it happened all the time. I mean, it, it was it was almost rare 
to hear a correct diagnosis be thrown out there versus a made up one. Um, and the, and this yeah, and the same with you know extremes are more compelling a story plot and all that stuff. But there's been a lot of improvement. There ha- there's been a ton of improvement I think over the past 10, 15 years, and and I think also a lot more people who are willing to talk about mental health. Um, even including like a lot of celebrities talking about their mental health more and more. A, a number of them have for a while, but there's just more and more and more discussion. And like you were hitting on, also more more focus on before things get really bad. They get really bad, get the help you need. But if it's not really bad, hey, you still deserve to get the help you need. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot better job about telling more of those stories and, and what's going on behind the character rather than just their actions and, and kind of scary tactics to pull your interest, like the straight jackets and electroshock, whatever. And as weird as it is, I also like that they show Lex Luthor being very vulnerable. Like, because Lex oh, yeah, Luthor in, in, in the comic books, he is un touchable he thinks 10 moves ahead of you he drives mm-hmm. superman nuts because he will completely screw superman over no superpowers sitting behind his desk holding an ink pen like he will just wreck <laughs> superman and he's just untouchable he's one of the smartest men on the planet and it's really cool seeing this backstory where it's like yeah he's yeah. gonna be that let's luther but right now He's having some mental well, issues and, and he's having some struggles. And I agree with you. And actually, one of the things that I do appreciate with this, too, is they actually normalize him hallucinating and having some psychotic uh, responses to things. Because, OK, so in this scenario, uh, when he sees Dr. Claire Foster after the island and everything, Okay, there's drug concoctions and this, that, and the other happening. But it's actually brought up in these episodes. People find out that when he was younger, I think it was in response to his brother dying or there was something related to Uh, that. Julian. Yeah. So with Julian dying, he actually had a similar kind of process happening for him where he was kind of rocking a blanket as if it was his brother. And uh, I actually really appreciated that because it was kind of talked about in a way where yeah it's lex and it's something that happened it wasn't like whoa this whole character changing thing uh which i really appreciated because a lot of times people think psychosis schizophrenia etc and they go oh no that's so different it's like you know a lot of times you're not gonna be able to tell that person different from anybody else yeah i just feel really bad for lex because in that in in these episodes he just can't win like his his dad is telling him he's he's crazy his therapist is saying he's crazy and what's so bad about that is even clark does it he's like clark i know your secret now clark's like you're crazy what are you talking about i don't have powers like it's so bad like he can't he can't win i feel so bad for him he can't win even clark who's there trying to help him is like plus i don't have superpowers you don't you're seeing things you're crazy and actually actually it's kind of one of the things uh if i remember correctly that kind of develops into why at least in smallville why lex and clark become 
nemesis. Because he never trusts him. Because he never fully trusts Lex, and he never he he feigns true trust and honesty and openness with Lex, and Lex is desperate for it and trying to have it, and yet Lex is too smart not to know that even though he wants to trust Clark, he can tell Clark isn't being honest with him, yeah. but he's just kind of feigning it, and it yeah, it all kind of weaves together, for sure. I do have questions because we've talked about Dr. Claire Foster. I had a cup I had a question about Dr. Evans with So Lois Lane's Yes, Lois Lane's therapist who, who pops nine. up who pops up out of nowhere. That episode's really funny too because it introduces the Wonder Twins. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was really funny. Like one of the Wonder Twins has a bejeweled cell phone. My question for this, because her big thing is helping Lois interpret her dreams mm-hmm. is that a thing is is dream because i feel like dream interpretation is something incredibly difficult like me like i don't think I, my dreams can be interpreted because it's something mm-hmm. like oh wow i went downstairs and i was looking for a jar of mayonnaise and i opened up the mayonnaise and there was a transformer in there and the transformer was like you should eat ketchup instead and then i wake up like there's no way I, it, I, I feel like I can go to a doctor and it's like, well, what it's saying is you have issues with your father. Like, no, like I, I was, <laughs> it made no sense. Like it, that's, I feel like that's how I dream or I dream something like I was at Walmart and baked beans were on sale and I stubbed my toe. Like, I don't like, it doesn't, <laughs> my, they don't make any sense, but this doctor is insisting like, this is what your dreams could could mean. It, it reminded me of like uh, in in the Bible with with Joseph the interpreting dreams and mm. you, you know like and I'm like is that is that a thing is is that a thing? Yeah, so it is a thing with an asterisk. So it, it's definitely a thing. It used to be more of a thing. So there are different what we call theoretical orientations for therapists and and doing therapy. So essentially kind of the framework that you use to help you um, lead someone through the therapeutic process, kind of what you see is underlying a person, how a person is made up, how they think, feel, react to life. And so some of the, the, um, older theoretical orientations, not older meaning defunct, but more just been around longer, hit more on some of these kind of more abstract processes. Uh, and dream interpretation is definitely one of those things. Um, not a, There are a lot of people that aren't trained in that sort of thing now. Um, so in this episode, Lois Lane actually specifically goes to a therapist to talk about her dreams. So hopefully, I mean, it's Lois. She did her research. I was going to say hopefully she did her research. No, Lois did her research and she found someone who had this kind of training. So, so I, I believe this person has the right background for it. So when it comes to dreams, we don't fully re- really know what dreams are per se. So uh, some people say it's it's just like random firings in the brain and your brain is just trying to make sense of them while you're unconscious. Um, 
However, whether you believe it's completely random firings or you um, think that it's your brain trying to kind of process through with your subconscious things that maybe you're restricting or you're filtering during the day. So that's kind of your other extreme where that's maybe like a more purposeful thing to kind of help you process and work through stuff. Um, no matter what kind of you, th- you think about these things, people have reactions to their dreams. So for example, you said, my dreams are completely random and spontaneous and kind of goofy. You might have a dream at some point where maybe you do attribute it to something like, um, oh man, it seems like this is trying to tell me something. Or a dream, I'm having a lot of dreams that are really stressful. Or this certain thing keeps popping up in my dreams. I wonder what that's about. And so when it comes to dream interpretation, a lot of times what can be helpful is, okay, what? why, why are you putting such importance onto these dreams? Whether, whether there's a, a subconscious process happening or not, there's something about you consciously when you're awake again that you're putting importance on onto this thing. And so she's helping her process through some of that stuff. So part of it is, okay, what are the themes that you're picking up on? And also, why does that matter to you? And so helping her to explore that a bit. Yeah, and that's just, I don't, yeah, that's where I guess I'm really confused because, you know, I've had nightmares. I've had bad dreams you know i've had weird i've had every single kind of dream and i don't know if i would be in a place to fully trust someone to tell me what they mean like that's some like dreams are so random and sporadic it's just really difficult thinking that there's a professional person i could Mm. go to out there tell them about my dream and they're like well here's a list of things that it could be um, because mm. it's like, I feel like it would be very difficult for me to hear something that I had not thought of already. You know, like it, so I can't of, explain yeah. it. Really. No, that makes sense. One of, one of the tricks of therapy is, I mean, sometimes we provide answers to people or strategies or skills or knowledge. Um, you know, there might be certain themes to dreams and someone trained in that area might say, okay, well, this kind of theme sometimes suggests you're having a stressful period in your life or things are very chaotic or et cetera, et cetera. Um, But for the most part, one of the tricks of therapy is helping someone grow within themselves and growing within yourself, building that insight. We're there to kind of highlight things and accentuate things that seem to to maybe be leading you in the right direction to make sure that you're following your path instead of grabbing you and pulling you onto our path, right? So, so it's not about pulling you onto our path of truth, but okay, it seems like Keaton has kind of talked about these other these things over here, and then he's ta- he's emphasizing these things in his dreams. I'm noticing a pattern. Let me highlight that pattern a little bit to him and see how he responds to it. And then if you respond to it in a way where you connect with that, that leads us further down the path. And if you don't, that gives us some information. And then okay, well maybe we need to explore something else a little bit further. Yeah, and I and I feel like I I'm way more accepting of that if I'm telling you things that actually have happened to me in my life and issues that I'm actually having 
when if I was to tell someone about my dream and they tried to interpret it, I feel like it would come off more like a horoscope where you can read a horoscope and it's like, well, that fits the person with that birthday, too. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like it's yeah. And that's once again why a lot of times the importance you place in your dream rather than necessarily, just like anything else in life, a thing happens. If you place enough importance in that to want to explore it in therapy, it's our job to help you figure out, okay, so not just what was going on there, but what, yeah, what brought this to, to be brought in as a topic for in here. I understand. Okay. That makes a lot more. Okay. I get it. Yeah. So, okay. You brought in this dream. Let's pull together all the information we have to figure out what is it about this dream that's really pulling that's bothering you to talk you. about it. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's going to pull in things from real life that are happening. And so, yeah, it's it, and you're right. I mean, you can throw a lot of guesses out there or put things out there that um, similar to a horoscope, 50, 75 percent of people might connect with. But you're, you're hitting a, a good point here in that, you know, your life best and so we're not trying to create a, a whole story for you and make you buy it. It's more trying to get attuned to you enough that we help you figure it out. Right. Right. And what's interesting about this is in the episode, the things that she is dreaming, they end up almost being like premonitions because Zod is trying to give Earth a red sun and just kind of take over the world it it was season nine was actually not my favorite season of smallville but yeah it it ends up almost being like she's 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 not just dreaming she's having borderline premonitions of what's to come and at this point she doesn't really realize that and and so it was it was very it was very interesting that it just so happened that she was having a premonition but it also lined up with things that she wanted to know about Clark you know like it it just kind of worked out well i loved how the therapist essentially helped her stumble into realizing that Clark and the blur were the same person even though the therapist then was like also made a, another really good point all albeit off base from reality was like it seems like you really want these to be the same person right because they're because you like both of them yeah you like both of them for different reasons it would be nice it'd be convenient if this were the same person which is totally a wonderful therapeutic thing to say but ironically was less true even though it was more likely it was more likely that he is it's more likely he's not a superhero because most people aren't superheroes uh, but just in this case, uh, it got them a little bit off track after after kind of figuring it out. <laughs> One thing that I always love about uh, Clark throughout Smallville, he's so bad at convincing people he doesn't have powers. Like every time someone's like, how did you survive that? It's like, what? Survive what? It's like oh that, that car that just fell out of the sky. What? Oh, that car? Like, he's he's so bad. He's freaking ridiculous. I'm sorry, but he does not deserve for people not to know because right. he does not. He's so careless. And I, because I, when I was rewatching this, I was like, oh, Amelia, remember, he's supposed to be a teenager. Teenagers are stupid. No offense to the teenagers out there. Your brains are not fully developed. You tend to be more impulsive. But, oh, I just kept being like, what? You're not even look. 
you're just gonna run down the road. Yes. I mean, I know it. I know it's a country road, but people are there, and and then literally someone almost hits him with their. Car. I'm like, come on. Not only that, but he, someone almost hits him with their car. He doesn't look to see if this person is passed out. Walks up slowly and rips the door off the car. Like he's not even trying. And it's just not that bright. But it's funny because <laughs> it's like this is a premonition. That shows that one day he'll he's gonna say, "I'll wear glasses, then no one will know who I am." <laughs> right? Like that's what it was. It's like, okay, we're showing you that he's gonna continue to be just like that. Where it's like, what? I don't have superpowers, but I just <laughs> I tripped and it dented that car, and it must have been made of paper. Let's go eat lunch, y'all. Let's not talk about this anymore. Like it's so it's really really funny. <laughs> Do, do we have a uh, a mindful nerd moment? So, yeah, actually, it's nice that we ended with Clark. Because I was like, oh, man, what I came up with, we haven't really talked about. But I thought we could have Clark Kent mindfully throwing bales of hay in the barn. That happens so <laughs> many times throughout Smallville. I'm so many times. here for it. I know it happens so many times. So I figure we do, yeah, every now and then he kind of has some fun. So, you know, he's like throwing bales of hay up to the loft and he's like zipping up there real fast to catch them. Yeah. It's just just having a little fun (laughs) being fast and strong. All right. So as per usual, sitting straight, but comfortably closing your eyes. If that's okay with you, if not, you can just um, have your eyes just kind of looking out, not at anything in particular, losing losing the focus. And take a few deep breaths just to help you focus in and prepare yourself for our mindful nerd moment. And as you breathe in and out, I want you to start putting yourself into this image of Clark Kent that we were just describing. You are... In your your clothes for working on the farm, you're in the barn, there's a bunch of bales of hay around you, and you know what? You're going to just have a little bit of fun being able to speed around, be super, and you mindfully just, first you just take in another deep breath, breathing in the scent of the hay, and breathing out just allowing yourself to relax into the moment. And you reach out for the closest bale of hay and you grab it. And you notice the feel of the hay in your hands. You lift it and you notice what it feels like to lift that bale of hay. And with freedom that you normally don't allow yourself, You wind up and you throw that hay with all of your super-powered strength up into the loft. You speed up the stairs. You notice the crunch of the fallen hay underneath your feet. You feel the wooden steps going up to the loft. You hear as they start to creak, but you're so fast that you don't quite hear the rest of it before you get to the top and you catch that bale of hay. And you feel the momentum behind that hay as you catch it. And it shakes and you hear the sound of the hay shaking. 
maybe a little bit more hay falls out than your dad would like out of that bale onto the, the ground of the loft up above. And you smile to yourself, just enjoying that speedy moment in the barn. And next what I want you to do is just take in one more deep breath, smelling the hay, smelling the barn and the loft. Deep breath out, smiling as Clark Kent, just appreciating being able to be super in that moment. And then with your next breath, get used to shifting back into yourself, a little bit less super powered, but you know, still a good life. Breathing in and out, shifting from the, the loft, from the barn, back into the place that you are sitting in now. And when you're ready, opening your eyes and we finish the podcast. What'd you think? I liked it. I liked it. I um I honestly just started I I, I did what I do sometimes with mindful nerd moments where I start overthinking. I'm like, why did they have that hay? Like, did they have horses? Did they, were they, I, n I don't remember seeing any animals. Like maybe they were growing the hay to sell. And then I thought about, like, I should be being mindful right now. My mind is. There you go. You, so you pulled it back? Yeah, I did okay. That's okay. You know, okay. some days are easier than others, and some mindfulness practices are easier than others. But it's funny because I imagine being super, being Superman way too much. Like super speed <laughs> is probably my favorite one to imagine because that would be so fun yeah. to have. The... I did see you smile as I was describing speeding up the stairs. Nice, nice. Yep, yep. But uh, yeah, I absolutely love Smallville, and a lot of people did because it went for ten years. 10 seasons. Yeah, that was long back then. Yeah, 10 seasons. <laughs> and I, my very, so before we go, my very first con that I ever went to, I got to meet Tom Welling and Michael Rosenbaum. And it was just the, 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 it, it was a life highlight. Is Tom Welling as ridiculously Greek god like looking in person as he is on TV? Absolutely. Absolutely. I was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've always wondered that. I'm like, what how do how does a person look like that? I mean, yeah, even in season one, it's like, yeah, sure, he's a fourteen year old freshman. Okay, I know, okay. right? Get the hell out of here. <laughs> like it's it's so it's so Yeah, we all looked like that at fourteen. <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah, it's great. It's it's great. Thanks for nerding out with us. I'm clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown. Find me on social media at Crafting the Mind. And I'm comic enthusiast and professional nerd Keaton Hopkins. Check out my TV and movie reviews on YouTube at TeamJBS. Check out our website at bat-therapy.com, our Bat Therapy YouTube channel, and follow us on social media. See you next week. Same Bat time, same Bat channel.